Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Make and Mark Wrestling Podcast. This week we watched CMLL, which is a Mexican lucha promotion, and the match we watched was King Phoenix versus Barbaro Cabanario, and this was uh, King Phoenix's first ever like singles match in CMLL. So let's get straight into things. Laura, what were your overall thoughts? Well, first of all, thank you for telling me what their names were, because obviously the whole thing was in Spanish. So in my notes, instead of King Phoenix, I've written King Felix the entire time. And then only wait, I think his name is Phoenix, like with an N. So that and then I didn't even know the other guy's name. I just called him Wilma Flintstone on a bad day because he came in with the bone in his hair and like dirt all over him. And yeah. <laughs> So I had trouble figuring out what their names were. Other than that, it was it was pretty entertaining. Uh, like I liked parts of it. I liked that this one wasn't didn't seem like there was any of the really over the top like soap opera moments. Like that, like someone new coming in and interfering, or like props getting involved. Like it was a bit more like just about the wrestling, at least to me. So I liked that. Uh, what, and, but I'm noticing a trend now, it's kind of annoying, it's like, whoever dominates really early on, never wins, so, and five minutes in, I can tell you, I feel like, at least, from what we've seen so far, I can tell you who's going to win, because, the beginning, the, Barbaria, what was his name again? The Flintstone guy, blue guy? He was Barbro Cavanario. Barbaro. Okay. In the beginning, he was just kind of dominating. So then I was like, all right. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, this is going to turn, though. He's not going to be allowed to win because he looked like he was going to win early. It would be far too easy and predictable if they just let the person who came out strong also finish strong. And that seemed to be the trend for a lot of the matches we've watched where someone if not right at the beginning, whoever, like, dominates most of the match, like, last week, jo- Johnny Mundo had the lead in points and everything for, like, a massively long time and should have won until all that nonsense at the end. Um, the New Japan one, there was the guy who lost, had been dominating the entire time and then just lost right at the end. So I'm starting to see a pattern. Um, I don't blame you because that is definitely a trend in wrestling, but... You can sort of tell who's going to win a match by who is in control of the match. Generally, if someone is dominating, like you say, they will go on to lose. That is just a thing that happens. And Which, like, I get it. It's annoying to me as a fan because it does, like you say, it just makes matches predictable. Like, yeah, like I'd like to see a bit more give and take. Like you know, like feeling like it could go either way. Like they're both landing some like really cool moves, some really strong hits, and they're doing. Like, it, there's a bit more back and forth, yeah, rather than just like someone that. dominates, and then there's this comeback, and they find this energy and yeah. get their second wind, you know? At the end, it was like it was like a back and forth, like, they were both getting stuff in for, like, the last, like, five or ten minutes of the match. Yeah. But before that, it was just all Kevin Ario. Yeah. <laughs> also, some trends I uh, noticed. It's like every time they were doing stuff on the ropes, 
I was just like, yo, Phoenix, why are you going to the ropes again? Because it almost never ended well for him. And those are my least favorite parts of the match because there's parts where it's like they are having to help each other up onto the ropes before they do the move. And I'm like, okay, well, why are you letting this guy help you up here when he's just about to wreck you? Like, those are the parts that just felt really like we're doing this because it was choreographed, not because in the moment it makes sense or I feel like this is what I would naturally do if it was an actual fight where I wanted to, like, knock this guy out. And... Nine times out of ten, it just ended up in King Phoenix getting, like, put, like, knocked out of the ring, a good punch to the face, or, like, some very intense-looking blow, and while looking really silly leading up to that to me. So anytime they were, like, back on the ropes, particularly in the corners of the arena, I was like, oh, God, not this again. Yeah, so in Lucha, they it's a lot less like a sort of real fight than a lot of, you know, American or Japanese stuff is. It is all about the flippy stuff. It's, you know, I was going like, to say, there's there so much airtime. Yeah. <laughs> um, and part of Cavanario's gimmick is that he isn't a traditional lucha wrestler. You know, he's a caveman, he's a brawler and stuff like that. So part of his gimmick is that he doesn't care for any of that flippy shit, which is why he countered it so much, because that's part of his shtick, is that he doesn't, like, play those games. Like, he'll just okay. beat you up. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, if you try flip it, like, run up, climb on the ropes and flip around and stuff, he's just gonna punch you. Like, yep, and which I enjoyed. So I was kind of like, I didn't really have a clear person I was sort of like rooting for most of this match. And uh, I think part of that might have been the language thing because I am not someone who speaks Spanish, and and maybe I didn't realize before how subtly informed my opinions were. By having, like, commentary I was also, like, listening to during the match and everything. Yeah, it's part of a commentator's job is sort of to tell you who to root for and who's the bad guy and stuff yeah, like so that. Yeah, so I had no idea. This, yeah, this, obviously commentary is in Spanish, so <laughs> no idea. Who Do you know who was supposed to be the quote-unquote good guy, bad guy? Whose uh, face, whose heel? I believe that uh, Cavanario was meant to be the heel because Phoenix is a face basically everywhere okay. he goes and also it was his debut match so oh, the, right, know, the right. crowd were excited to see him well his debut single match yeah um and, and it was was it Cavanario like did some healy things like ripping his mask which is a big no go oh. that's a big no go oh i didn't even i didn't even know that the also i was going to say there was like lots of I knew where there was a screen, kept seeing what looked like 85th anniversary. Was that why it was like a special promotion match? Was it an anniversary for... Uh, well, it is their 85th anniversary, but yeah, CMLL um, is the oldest still-going wrestling promotion in the world, and yet they've actually just been going for 85 years. That's impressive. Like, yeah. it's, that's intense. <laughs> so, before we get more uh, sort of detailed into your notes and stuff like that... Um, so we we have a thing where we give each match a rating out of five stars. What rating would you give this match? Uh, I think I would give this match three and a half out of five because I've it's one of the ones I've enjoyed more of the five you watched. Like I said, there wasn't a lot of the like using of like props, like chairs or tables or things yeah. that always make me a little turned off. There was a lot of really cool like athleticism in the wrestling. And it, it just seemed like a bit more about the wrestling than some of the others we watched. Where it loses marks for me was just, um, like I said, not being able to listen to the commentary uh, with the language barrier. 
a little bit of a, a downer for me and uh, the predictability, but that's kind of a thing with all wrestling at this point, but the whole five minutes in, I decided Cavanario wasn't going to win because he was just doing too well. So that always takes the fun out of it. I'd like to be kept guessing a little more. Yeah. And then it also loses um, marks for, this one's very small, not a lot. Like it wouldn't lose a whole like half star or anything, but it needs to be said to me. The costuming decisions for some of them, like I literally at the start of it, I was like, hey, look, it's Wilma Flintstone on a bad hair day coming in with tiny Mr. Incredible? Question mark? Like, Yeah, he, he has his companion dwarf. Is dwarf the term you're meant to use for them? I, I, um, I'm a, um, not using a term for a reason, I don't know what is the yeah, I don't know politically the, correct. <laughs> the current term of the year is. Um, we'll but why is he dressed dwarf. like Mr. Incredible with the Plague Doctor mask? Like, what the so shit? So I've seen a few of their matches, and he comes out in a different costume every time. The only thing that sort of stays the same is the, like, beak. On the face. So was he supposed to look like Mr. Incredible? Was that actually I a Mr. Incredible so, yeah. costume? Oh my god! <laughs> and yeah, oh. Barbaro Cavanario's gimmick is that he is a barbarian. He is, you know, a caveman. Mm-hmm. That's his whole shtick. Hence Makes the sort sense. of body paint, the yeah. no singlet, like going down one side. That yeah, is painted with spotted patterns. Also, they lose marks for their girl, like, dancers, like, their version of cheerleaders at the beginning. I was like, could half of you look more disinterested? Like, do, could you look at, at all less like you want to be here? And the dancing was late. I'm like, I could do better. They're like, obviously, this is a podcast. You can't see me move. I almost started, like, imitating them, but you can't see what I'm doing sitting in my computer chair. But they just were, like, so low energy, so, like, I give zero fucks right now. And Clearly just the, to be there. Yeah, the first dance move was, like, some really lame... It was, I think it was supposed to be kind of like a body roll with some hand things, but it wasn't. It was like they were gently swaying. And I'm like, come on. The second move, like when the second guy came in, they were kind of like salsa dancing a bit, which was fine. But they still looked like, I was like, I could salsa dance better. And I've had, what, two lessons? And they're just doing like the basic forward back step. Like, so that bugged you, me. Anytime there are dancers or cheerleaders or any sort of girl there, which I realize half of them is there to just be sexy and in their skimpy outfits, but if you're going to be moving, fucking do your job. Like, the amount of times I go to, like, places where they have go-go dancers or, like, cage dancers and they, they suck, I'm just like, oh, makes me so mad. I want to kick them out and just go to the cage. I'm like, this is how you do it. Do you want a funny story? Yes, always. Um, I, I've watched, over the past, like, week or two, I've been watching, like, quite a few CMLL matches because, you know, I've been educating myself before this. Um, and I watched this one match and they had four dancing girls and it was a title match and in, in title matches while they're going over like you know who's wrestling the t- what the title's for and what type of matches could be and stuff they just focused the camera on the four girls just stood there and three of them were like smiling the whole time big grins on their face and stuff and then the fourth one kept like having this real like straight serious face and then she'd look over, see all the other girls smiling, and start smiling again. And then over time, just lose the smile, go to a straight face, look over and see <laughs> the other girls smiling, and start smiling again. And it was killing me. I was laughing so hard at that. That's pretty funny. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, let's start going over your notes. And then after that, I've got a few notes, so if they don't come up in yours, we can go over them. Uh, so, well, also the first few notes are all about the dancers bugging me and the, the wardrobe choices and the name confusion. Um, I said, I liked also this one, like, the minute the match started, I was like, they aren't wasting any time. Like, they got into some pretty big, 
moves pretty quickly. Like, people are getting, like, knocked on the ground and everything. Whereas, like, some of the wrestling matches start, so you kind of, like, it's like watching two, like, predatory animals do the circle each other thing before they, like, pounce. This one was like, nah, go for it right away, which I liked. And then, and then, but then they, went, they went to the ropes, and I mentioned that this is the first bit where they're just jumping around, looking really lamely choreographed, and they, especially because they're literally like grabbing each other's hands and wrists and like helping each other. It looked like they were doing some sort of weird dance at some point, like they were trying to like do some sort of like waltz or like uh, ballroom stuff and trying to get into a position. And I'm like, this this seems a little weird until they're both on the ropes and ready to punch each other. Um. Oh, this one, I, I said I laughed really hard when Flintstone Man, because I didn't know his name yet, Cavanario, started swinging Prince Phoenix's head just, like, into the wall, like, repeatedly. I was like, what is happening? That looked so painful. Like, it did. painful. Yeah, no, that was, I was like, I was laughing, but also like, oh, but that's gotta actually hurt. That's... I, I noticed, like, um, as someone watching a lot of wrestling, on the first two hits, you could see Phoenix putting his hand up between his face and the barrier, you know, as, like, padding. Yeah. But then on the third one, he just, like, dropped his arm and his face just, like, full-on hit it. Like, Ow. <laughs> yep. Couldn't make it in time. That's gonna hurt. But, yeah. Also, it, they kept cutting their pictures. Like, There's this one really cute little girl in the audience that had a picture, I think, of Cavanario. I couldn't tell, because I don't know what yeah, Phoenix was, looks like without his mask, but the guy had longer hair. Cavanario. Okay, I was right. But it was so cute. But it's also, it still just weirds me out. To see kids in the audience, just because when I was a kid, I was so brought up to like, this is terrible. This is the worst form of entertainment. This is glorified violence. People who take their kids to this should be like, shouldn't be parents. And this is my, this is what I was raised. So this isn't my opinion before anyone like comes at me on Twitter or anything. But so every time I see a little kid in the audience, it just feels so weird. And like, what are you doing? Yeah, I can sort of see that. Although CMLL is very much like, um, it's in some aspects even more toned down than WWE they like almost never have like blood or weapons or anything like that it's just a no go all most almost all of their matches are just this sort of thing you know what i mean um but on other on the other hand they have girls dancing around in their underwear so <laughs> yeah like exactly i do think this one is a bit more kid friendly maybe than WWE or feels like it, but that also might just be because I didn't know the, like, I don't know what the commentators were saying. I don't know what anyone's saying. So for all I know, yeah. they could be, like, trash-talking and swearing fairness, and doing whatever, but... When when you go to a wrestling event live, you don't hear the commentators anyway. So for live viewing, you know, there's no commentary anyway to sort of taint things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what next is in my notes? Again, I wrote, Phoenix, stop going over to the ropes. It always ends badly for you. Because he only once, I think, that I noticed any time they were doing stuff on the ropes, did Phoenix come out on top? I think he got, like, a suplex once. Other than that, he just got batted around. And I was like, dude, stop. Oh, and then the one move, I just wrote, not the groin! Ow! Where he brought him down in, like, a split over the wall, and I'm just like, ooh, Ooh, I don't even have the genitalia that would make that hurt more, but I'm hurting. I'm hurting watching that. <laughs> Did you actually see how they made that, like, safe? No, I couldn't catch it in um, the moment. As he drops him down, he actually lands on his inner thigh. And oh, then yeah. he rolls on it to be, like, upright. 
Yeah. So, like, initially, he actually hits on his, like, inner thigh, which, you know, obviously it'll still hurt. So it's still not comfortable. But... <laughs> but then he, like, quickly sort of flicks to be upright so it looks like he landed, you know, straight upright. Yeah. Like, live, you wouldn't be able to tell he did that at all. It's, yeah, you know, especially from wherever you're sat in the, in the arena and you're yeah. not up close, for sure. Oh, yeah, also on that note, um, camera work seemed pretty solid this time. Like, it didn't feel super jumpy. I felt like I could see what was going yeah. on all the time and, like, it was Although, an appropriate angle for whatever was happening. There were some moments where it missed some of Phoenix's stuff. Like, he'd go to, like, springboard off the ropes or something and the camera would just be focused on Cabinario. And oh. then you see Phoenix, like, flip back into view, like, doing a backflip. <laughs> it's like, whoa, hang on a minute. How'd he end up in a backflip? Yeah, I was just, I wrote, uh, this dude gets a lot of airtime in my notes. He's just flipping all over the place. And, like, most of the time it was cool. It was really, like, cool to watch and really fancy moves. Sometimes it seemed a little bit like, all right, well, now you're just wasting energy. Like, you could have done that without the backflip. Yeah. But um, I get now that's the style, like you said, of this genre of wrestling. They're big fans of that. Also, although there were some moments where I do agree with you that it seemed like wasted, like there was one moment where he rolled into the ring and he went for like a, a move where, what the move is, is you roll forwards and then like use it to sort of spring yourself up, like, you know, going to like a jump from the roll and, um, you know, grab the person and do something. And Cavanario blocked it. So he tried start from the roll again, like he walked backwards and tried to do the roll again. And it's like, what? Like, why would you ever actually do that? Like, so ridiculous. But, um... Because yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. But that's sort of, like, Phoenix's whole thing is that he is probably... He's, like, one of the very best in the world at that sort of style of stuff. He's, like, one of the best, what they call it in wrestling, high flyers in okay. the world. Um, and this match was actually, believe it or not, sort of, like, toned down phoenix really like he did a lot less of his like flippy stuff than he normally does jesus he must spend half the time in the air normally yeah he's very very flippy (laughs) that's that's what they call it the the, the sort of like proper name for it is like high flying and then like the colloquial name is flippy shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is which is a great name like flippy shit i like that name better Oh man, I also had a note that Bicorn in the audience is annoying as fuck. It sounded like someone had taken like one of those cheap and loud and nasal like horns you put on a bicycle and just like constantly just going off. Yeah, that's that's a very, that's part of, it's not necessarily just a Mexican thing, it's part of sort of a Southern American sort of sports culture is that, you know, like do you yeah. remember in the, uh, when it was like the World Cup summit and there was that thing where the, um, Brazilian fans brought a uh, oh man Zaylas oh along. god that was rough on the ears and yeah and that's basically that it's just part of South American sports cultures that the audience brings along loud horns and stuff and has yeah a good time. I figured it was but I was still just like not a fan uh I had a question you may or may not know the answer to and I guess I might have wrote this down when he pulled on the mask I don't know or maybe he was just close up focused on the mask of Prince Phoenix um, the whole idea of those kind of masks in this genre of wrestling, because they're such a symbol, like even before start doing this podcast during wrestling, like if I shot, saw just a little infographic of that mask, I could tell you it's for like, l- like luchador Mexican wrestling. Uh, yeah. They're just a symbol. Where did that come from? And when did they start using those? Like, has that been in the whole 85 years and part of their their shtick or yeah that's very old i couldn't tell you the origins of it but that has been around the entire time 
And one thing you might not know as a non-wrestling fan is just how big a deal the masks actually are. Because, do you know what Ray Phoenix's real name is? No. Neither do I. Neither, <laughs> no, nobody knows. It's, it's part of lucha culture that if you wear a mask, nobody knows what your real name is. It's kept off That's the cool. records. So all I like the people that. you see like in masks, nobody knows who they are. And it's like the biggest luchador of all time, El Santo, who was so famous in Mexico that he became like a movie star and stuff like that. And when he died, it was like, like, I can't think of anyone, you know, who in like, say, the US or something would have got as much like media attention for their death as he did in Mexico. He was a huge cultural star. And he was part of it. The reveal of his name at his death. No, nobody knew. Like he revealed it a week before his death. What his real name was. Nobody knew who his was for his entire career until a week before he passed away. That's legit, though. Like that. Mm. That's the way to do it. So you can be like get the some of the perks of like fame and being like a renowned athlete but still like go out in public because without your mask yeah and no actually, one actually like, knows who you are uh, other big things in lucha are like they have dynasties where um family members will pick up like they'll take up their father's like mask and wrestle as so-and-so junior and stuff like that and also companies own the rights to like the names and the looks and stuff like that so sometimes if a wrestler like quits or dies the company will just like replace them they'll just have another person wrestle with that mask and name which is crazy you know imagine yeah, like cool. imagine like if like when um i'm trying to think someone famous who's died or quit uh so many wrestling people are still alive but imagine if the rock died right the rock hasn't died but imagine if he died the wwe just like oh look the rock's back and it's just a totally different dude Pretending to be the rock. <laughs> like, it'd be so weird. Yeah, yeah the people would be like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> but, you know, the masks sort of allowed them to do that, you know? Yeah. But well, because I was also masks... asking, because I get from branding and, like, marketing and costuming standpoints and stuff. But it seems like when they were first introduced, like, no matter how good that they ha- that has to limit your peripheral vision a little bit. Like, that can't be ideal yeah. to wear in the situation so it just seemed like i was just wondering if you knew any of the history behind it because no, it's not like it would ever be brought in for an actual like pretending to heighten the realism of the wrestling standpoint because it would actually hinder but um, i was just curious yeah so i i like uh, don't know the history at all but i know like just how sort of like big and significant they actually are like like oftentimes at the end of big feuds you know like in wwe at the end of big feuds they'll do something like a Hell in a Cell match or a No Holds Barred match or a Fall Count Anywhere. They'll do some sort of, like, heightened intensity match type to sort of be, like, the ender of the feud. hmm In Mexico, what they'll quite, like, not quite often, but very, like, sometimes for very, very big feuds, they will end it with a mask versus mask match. And those are huge. You know what I mean? It's a very, very big deal, someone losing their mask. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, so they're very, very big, very, very significant. Yeah. Uh, next thing in my notes, uh, I was like, "What does was the ref helping Phoenix back into the ring at one point? Because he like 
he had been knocked out and he came and like talked to him and like grabbed his hand and seemed to like physically help him back in the ring and i was like isn't that interference of some kind because if, he, if he's out of the ring for so long then wouldn't he lose ref what are yeah. you doing he let whatever's lose. gonna happen happen he did lose so you might not have noticed but um in lucha at least in like cmll which is like the sort of old guard lucha company matches are not one fall for best two out of three. Oh yeah because there was a girl who came out with a round three yeah. sign at some point yeah, so what happened there was the first fall was, you know, after Cavanario did that huge splash to the outside. Yeah. Rest in peace, his knees. Um, <laughs> like, uh, after that, he went back in the ring and Phoenix got counted out. And that was the first fall of the match. Okay. So the reason, like, the ref went out and helped him is because, like, they have to sort of, you know, restart the match. Oh, okay. That makes much more sense now. I did note that because I saw, the first time I saw, I didn't see anyone saying, like, round one or round two. Then the camera showed the sign lady with the round three sign. I was like, oh, okay. But I didn't put two and two together that that meant it was probably not a, like, one single pin. You're done. Yeah, it's, it's it's just sort of how the do things it's just their tradition it's just i think that's that's cooler in my opinion because or at least more not cooler but like a bit more fair i guess is the word because then gives you even if you get pinned the first time a chance to come back yeah although you can tell how like in sort of you know tradition like the wrestling way used to sort of north american style wrestling stuff when a two out of three falls match happens or like the one we watched in you know uh, Lucha Underground. They're very... You sort of can't tell who wins and they, they're more suspenseful and each fall seems to sort of matter a bit more and stuff. But you can tell in CMLL where every match is done like that, they've very much fallen into a formula. Like, I don't know if you noticed this because I don't know if you noticed that there were multiple falls, but the first two falls happened very, very quickly. Yeah. And very, like, just sort of throw away. I was going to say, because I clearly missed them, because I thought it was going yeah. off of the one system, and it was the one at the end that decided Yeah, so the first the first fall happened after the splash, so that was very early on in. That was like first five minutes. The second fall happened a bit after that, where Phoenix just did like a quick little roll-up, and like he had his art, like his legs over Cavanario's legs, and then was yeah. using them to pin his arms down. Yeah. That spot was the second fall. So those two both happened, like, five minutes into the match. Mm-hmm. Like, there was more time after the second fall and before the third fall than there was before the second fall. So it very much seems like the first two falls are sort of like, eh, whatever, get them out of the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it almost feels like there's not much point to doing two out of three falls if every match is just going to be like, they both get one and then it's the third fall that really, like, they both get one super fast and then the third fall is the one that matters. Because then it just mm-hmm. becomes a one-fall match, basically. Like, for all intents and purposes, it might as well just be a one-fall match. Yeah. Also, can I just say I appreciate that you actually said the expression for all intents and purposes correctly? Because one of my pet peeves is so many people think it's for all intensive purposes. And I'm like, no. I'm that means something very different. That's not the word. Ugh. Do you want to know one of my pet peeves like that? What? I could care less. Oh, right? Oh, it's like, no, because then, then you're, 
that goes that's the opposite of what you're trying yeah, to express with that saying. It's I could one. not care less or couldn't. As in, like, I literally, there are no more, I could, like, I give zero fucks already. I cannot yeah. care. Like, that, oh. That's the best bit about that is by saying it incorrectly, they're actually saying the total opposite of what they're meant to be saying. I know, which is why I think it's but so I, silly. I, I, could, I could care less. Like, I care at least a little bit about this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyways, sorry. Random, random sidebar yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So, back to notes. Yep. Um, yeah, then there's a note again about a lot of jumping around. And then I finally caught on that it was Phoenix and not Felix with an L <laughs> after that point. Comes um, out dressed as a cat. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I said Phoenix had a kick out at the end that looked a little half-assed to me. Like, A, it looked like the three had already kind of started to be called. But then he did, like, this kick out. And, like, Cavanario seemed to still be kind of half-holding him down. Like... It just seemed like bare minimum, like it was a kick out they were allowing because storytelling, they wanted him to be able to kick out of it, not because he actually properly kicked out enough to un- like get himself out of the pin. There was also a moment where Phoenix was pinning Cabanario, and Cabanario didn't even like move. Phoenix just sort of let go of him. Yeah, <laughs> which just really cracked me up. Like, yeah, some of the, so some of the pins around the end were a little like, all right, do you care? Do you want to? Like, just come on. Uh, and then the last note I have was the the spinny move that Phoenix did right at the end to get the final, like, pin was pretty cool. Because Cavanario is not a small dude. And he just, like, whipped him around like he was, like, holding, like, a toddler. And just, like, yeah. and then And there's, and there's no real him. way for Cavanario to really help with that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was just all Phoenix, just... Yeah, so I, I was really impressed with the finishing move that he did for that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's his. I'm sure his finisher involves something flippy because of how much he likes to leap through the air. But it looked cool what he Although did. Although, actually, a lot of, like, um, flippy wrestlers um, have finishing moves that are, you know, sort of, like, not flippy. Like, for example, Ricochet, when he was in um, the Indies, you know he uses the 630 splash in WWE as his finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Indies, he actually had a move as a finisher for a long time where he, like, picked someone up over his shoulders in, like, a fireman's carry-style position mm-hmm. and then, like, dropped them and kicked them as they were falling down. And that was his finisher. So it, like, wasn't flippy at all. And it's like, no, that's Ricochet. Ricochet is the flippiest of flippies. You know what I mean? <laughs> he flips all day, every day. Like, oh, sure actually, on that note... F- like, doing hands on <laughs> wheels. Because you mentioned the whole thing about their their masks, you know, their, like he would be an exception to that because he was Prince Puma in that match we watched, and he had one of those masks yeah. on. But now that he's in WWE and he's Ricochet, and you see his face, I'm sure people know his name. Yeah, and there are yeah. also there are also um, other exceptions, like for example, Rey Mysterio, who everyone knows. Um, yeah, he wrestles for WWE now. Well, at one point. He was wrestling for WCW, which is an old company that no longer exists. Okay. And WCW went through a period in like the 90s where they sort of stopped caring about any long-term storytelling or anything like that and just were trying for in-the-moment shock value and ratings. And they actually unmasked Rey Mysterio at one point and had him wrestle unmasked. Mm-hmm. And they realised that was a terrible idea. Ray never wanted to do it in the first place because he knew it was a terrible idea. And it was only like a few weeks before they put him back under a mask and he stayed under a mask. Ever since, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because everyone involved realised, this is dumb, we shouldn't have done this. But, you know, they can't really take it back. It happened. 
But yeah, th- those are all my notes then for the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things I had were dancing girls, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about them. It's but the oh, thing- it wasn't even just the dancing, though, because like, the dancing was half-assed. But then there was one part where they're talking, and the camera just panned to them all standing like in a line yep. with their arms into their shoulders for an awkwardly long time. I yeah, thought. that's and what I was talking like, two about. Three yeah. of them, two or three of them looked like they were smiling. and like, just, But there was one the whole time who just didn't give a fuck. There was one who was yeah. just like, I'm here, I'm being paid to be here. I don't, the, the they don't pay me to be nice. Is- and then they dropped the smiles slowly. But it was so weird. I was like, "Why are we holding this camera pit, like frame for so long? They don't, they don't want to be on camera right now." <laughs> so, my next point is going to explain a lot of sort of the differences in this to other promotions we've watched, and that is that. Did you notice they were running just this regular match on a regular show? Like this was just one of their weekly shows, right? Uh huh. And did you notice it was in a massive arena? Yeah. It did. I was gonna say. I also liked. I liked the arena setup. Like it still felt like you know, big, big and match. fancy. Like it had a big ramp to walk down the rings and, and like decent lighting. But it didn't feel so overly sensationalized. Like it didn't. Mm-hmm. Like some of the WWE ones are just freaking nuts. And like that's one of the things I like. Like all, the one thing I do. I have watched in the past. I will watch just the beginnings and like look for YouTube clips of WrestleManias just to watch like see the massive staging as someone who works in like theater and events so but i i kind of liked this i thought it was best of both worlds small enough it still felt kind of like if you were there it could almost feel intimate but still big enough to give that sense of grandiose and sensationalism and Mm. everything like that so this uh, arena they're in it's a 16 and a half thousand seat arena called arena mexico which is a cool name arena mexico great name um and it was purpose built by cmll for lucha and they own the building that's awesome so like a lot of the other similar things are like wrestling things that go on in arenas is that like unique in wrestling to own the space you do it in or not so much yeah, so um, most places just rent out, you know, buildings. Almost no one, like, actually owns buildings. As mm-hmm. in wrestling, no one owns buildings. They're an exception to the rule, basically. Okay, that's cool. But this influences, like, their entire business model because they run three shows out of that building every single week. So whereas, like, WWE makes all of its money from sponsors and TV deals... And doesn't really care if people actually turn up to its shows. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what they do is to appeal to, you know, sponsors and TV deals. They push, like, Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey because they're a big deal outside of WWE. They'll yeah. attract mainstream attention, which attracts sponsors and, you know, TV deals. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, they turned PG, you know, got rid of all the blood and swearing and stuff to attract <laughs> sponsors and TV deals. You know, like... They don't have any intergender wrestling to attract sponsors and TV deals. Like, it affects everything they do. You know, and they have really, the really high quality, you know, cameras and filming and stuff. They have, you know, commentators who use buzzwords and catchphrases to sell merchandise and stuff like that. Yeah. Arena Mexico relies entirely on ticket sales. It I was going to say, the place looked pretty full to sponsors at all. They put three shows out of that building a week and live or die by how many tickets sell, basically. Mm-hmm. So, 
they have, you know, the dancing girls to attract, you know, working class, you know, sort of men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, they don't have English commentary because the building's in Mexico, so having English, paying for English commentators wouldn't really attract any more ticket sales, so they just yeah. don't bother with it. They put all their shows out for free on YouTube because they don't, like, that's, like, selling their shows isn't going to help ticket sales, so they don't bother selling their shows, just put them up on YouTube for free, make a bit of ad revenue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, everything they do is to try get ticket sales. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what they live or die by. And it actually affects, like, a lot of the things they do are all about, you know, that's why. Like, so much of it comes down to sort of, you know, economic reasons. I think that's cool, though. And I think it cultivates a bit more of a a dynamic fan culture to be in when it's done that way. And more people that want to, like, physically go be there and yeah watch the matches pretty cool uh, it's cool to know like like if you are their target demographic you know knowing that they are you know just trying to appeal to you they're trying to get your attention you know mm-hmm. what i mean like they're not trying to actively annoy you they're not doing things <laughs> that you hate they are trying to get you there to trying to get you in the building you know yeah um, my next note was about the dwarf, which is, um, so in Lucha, you know how WWE has had dwarves before, like Hornswoggle, but they're mm-hmm. just treated as total joke comedy characters? Yeah. In Lucha, they haven't, you know, like, they have a weight division style system. Okay. They're, they're not technically weight divisions, they're more based on just sort of height, general stature and stuff like that. Yeah. But they do have, you know, divisions. Um, And they actually have entire, like, divisions for dwarves and, like, people of smaller stature, like, people under five foot and stuff like that. That's kind of cool. And it's actually just a big part of Lucha. Like, they're not treated as just, like, a joke or comedy. Like, they actually go out there and have proper wrestling matches. You know what I mean? That's cool. Like, uh, dwarves are actually a very sort of key influential part of Lucha, Lucha and like they're not like excluded they're not treated as jokes mm-hmm. and that's really cool yeah uh, I wasn't quite sure what his presence was for in this match mm-hmm. I was like I'm like is he just like a sidekick or like cheering section for for Cavanario like yeah I'm not sure of their sort of backstory but he's definitely like, affiliated with Cavanario like he complained that, that the ref was like fast counting when uh, when he counted Phoenix's pins, like when he counted Barbara, like Cavanario's pins, he was complaining the ref weren't counting fast enough. You know, <laughs> he was clearly just on Cavanario's side. Yeah. Like, and the ref, sort of, like the ref, also kept warning him, like, "Oh, don't interfere." You know, like, yeah. Stay out of this. Uh, then I had a note about masks, but we've sort of been over, you know, masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got about the big splash and how I like. Cavanario is going to have serious knee troubles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because, like, did you see how hard he actually just landed on his knees? Like, yeah, and ouch. those things, they take beatings, man. Like, they go fast if you are not yeah. kind to them. That is a body part you want to treat with the best and care and respect. And he does those big splashes, like, every match. He does them, like, off the stage. He does them off the top turnbuckle. He does them to the outside. It's, like, his signature move, and he does them, like, every single match. And it's, like, his knees are just going to be destroyed in a few years. Like, 
If he ever has to retire, it will be because of the issues. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I had uh, about two out of three falls matches, which we've done. And, oh, and then another note, which is very important to know, is that um, CMLL doesn't actually do many singles matches at all. Oh, um, really? They do, like, the tag team stuff? Yeah, and it's actually not even normal tag matches, because you know normal tag matches are, like, two people on, on either side? So yeah. It's four people in total. And they do six-man tag matches, so three on either side. That seems like a lot of people in one ring. Well, well, the the thing is, is they they abide by sort of the rules of you know like when there's um when you know you're meant to have like just two people in the ring at a time and the rest stand on the outside and stuff like that. Yeah. But it obviously always devolves into sort of chaos. <laughs> but what it allows for is the reason they do it is that um, obviously, like I say, they're trying to appeal to you know the the crowd that are there at the moment and drive ticket sales and the six people matches are very very fast paced and just full of action you know what i mean there's always something going on there's no Mm -hmm. like dry spots there's no slow moments you know what i mean they're just quick of course not with that many people like yeah and they'll all be pretty bad at their job if they're having a slow moment with six people yeah yeah and also another thing is that with them running three different shows every week is that multi-man matches like that are much easier on the talent because you don't have to... You're not doing stuff the whole match. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it sort of like allows them to have like... They have a lot less like injuries and a lot less like fatigue because, you know, people aren't just wrestling singles matches all the time. They can, you know, have a break in a tag match. So, mm-hmm. once again, like I say, say, you can see that, like, economic sort of reasoning behind everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, my next note was about when Cavanario bit Phoenix's face. What? When did that happen? It was pretty early on in the match. Like, he Jesus. threw Phoenix into one of the corners, walked over, got up onto the first rope, and, like bit into phoenix's face i would face. think no biting is like a basic rule of fighting in almost anywhere just because it's seen as like a low blow kind of below yeah. the belt hit what uh, why are it, you allowed it, what it is like um the ref like instantly you know like said oh you can't do that and then started what refs do in wrestling is if someone starts breaking a rule they count to five and if they get to five you're disqualified but what it allows, the reason they count five, time. because you can still bite allows, him for like four seconds. Yeah, yeah, and that's basically it's like the reason that rules in place is to allow the bad guys to, you know, bend the rules for those four seconds. They can be dastardly heels for four seconds before they actually get told Stupid. off. Stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's dumb. literally the reason it exists is so that people can do stuff like that and for a bit. Yeah, but it's dumb. Uh, the next note I had was about when Phoenix did the double stomp to Cavanario's back. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That looked really painful. Yes, it did. That was one of the moments where I, like, physically just, like, cringed a bit in my chair, and I was like, ooh. When I first watched it, like, double stomps always look really bad, but usually can be done in a pretty safe way. Because, like, for example, with that one, he's jumping horizontally. So yeah. all he does is, you know... Drop your legs down a bit. It looks like they've made, you know, an impact, but actually your momentum's going 
horizontal, so you just keep going. And it looks bad, but isn't actually bad. That's what I thought they did. Then they showed the slow motion replay. And nope, he just full on stomped the dude in the back. He like didn't do it safe at all. He just Jesus. waffled the dude. Like he just stomped Jesus. into his back. And it was so brutal to watch in slow motion. Which actually another thing we should probably talk about. They did slow motion replays all the time. They did, which I kind of liked because like I said, I feel like I'm still learning and trying to figure out what goes on. Like I, I miss a lot of things. Yeah. I feel like. So seeing some of the cool moments brought back was kinda nice. Mm. And also a lot of the moves like look really brutal in slow motion. Like, um, you know, right at the very end when, like, Cavanario did that move where he got Ricochet up on his back and, like, flipped him off to one side and landed him on his knee. Yeah. When they showed the slow-motion replay of that, it looked horrendous. Mm-hmm. I would not want to do that. Nope, nope I, I want nope, no nope, part nope. of it. <laughs> and then D- the last note I had was, did you notice at the very end... Oh, actually, quick, quick thing before I do this one. Did you notice at the end they had, like, a doctor come in to the ring to check on Cavanario? Oh, shit. No, I didn't. So it's I feel so unobservant when we do these, because you say all these things that I just, like, was fucking out to lunch and just missing. I'm like, what? So it, it, it's, it's one of these things where it's obviously a fake doctor. Like, he's obviously not actually checking oh. on him. It's just for the... <laughs> and, like I say, once again, you can tell it's for the people in the building, because, you know, obviously they're going to be sat really far away. Yeah. The doctor's wearing this big, long bright white like lab coat it's like no real doctor you know just goes like like if they're at a venue like that as the you know Mm on-site medical staff they don't wear massive white lab coats (laughs) like that's ridiculous but it's clearly done so that you know everyone there in attendance knows that that's the doctor you know what i mean like it's just a visual aid basically you know what I mean? If you're sat eight rows back in an arena, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're going to struggle to tell the doctor unless it's, like, blatantly obvious. And yeah. they made it blatantly obvious. <laughs> uh, the other note I had, though, the last note was that... I don't know if you'll have noticed this. I have a feeling, considering how many times I've said I don't know if you noticed this and you've said no so far, mm-hmm. I feel like you might not have. <laughs> um, but did you notice at the end, all the people, like, on the outside of the ring were, like, bending over and picking stuff up. I think, now that you mention it, I do recall. Like, in the moment, I didn't catch it as anything odd. But now that you mention it, yeah. What were they picking up? Money. So there is a big... There's a big tradition in Lucha where if the crowd enjoys a match, they will, like, throw money into, like, the outside section or into the ring. Uh-huh. For the wrestlers, as basically like a tip, as like a show of appreciation for their good match. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what do you think of that? So, but wait, they're throwing the money for the wrestlers, but then it, it's like the audience members picking it up. No, no, it was like the people on the outside, not like the audience outside of the ring, like you know the little matted area outside the ring. Oh, it was like the people there were picking it all up and stuff like oh, that. Oh, and so there's picking up to bring to the wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're strippers. And yeah, it's basically, it's, it's just it's just like a tip. You know what I mean? It's like, you did a good job. Here, have a have a tip. But That's kind of cool. But thrown at them from the other side of an arena. 
That's kind of cool. I don't know. Like it's cool, but also sounds like you might have money hitting you occasionally. Which <laughs> sounds fun. Well, I heard um the other day I was watching and it made me think of just a joke commonly told about like Canadians, but it was a um a joke coming from D and D because the character was like buying really expensive um alcohol and spent like 800 gold in game on like two bottles of alcohol and he started doing the gesture where he like flips it like the make it rain gesture with his hands like when you do with like dollar bills and someone goes dude you're using gold you're not making it rain you're making it hail that's gonna hurt and i started <laughs> laughing because there's the common joke in um canada that uh canadian strippers it's like, well, what do you do? We have loonies and toonies. We have $1 and $2 coins. So, like, what do you do when you want to, then they have to, like, dodge a hailstorm and it's, like, a risky business. And it just made me laugh. And so the, the yeah. comment about worry about being hit by money. That's hilarious. You're making it hail. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's all my notes on this. Um, you enjoyed it a lot more than I thought you would. Like Me I, too. <laughs> I, I was pleasantly I would... surprised. I went into this expecting you to not like, you know, all the sort of flippy nonsense. Well, I like the flippy stuff because it's it just shows a high degree of athleticism. Yeah. And it's just, like, even if you think it's over the top, it's still impressive to watch at the end of yeah. the day, no matter what. Like, so the stuff that I didn't like wrestling-wise was all the shit on the ropes. Just because it, yeah. it's, you can't really smoothly get up to the top ropes and do what they were doing and then do your finishing moves. Like, the setup to get there just looks very choreographed, because it is. Yeah. And obviously, you, it's it's just very hard to naturally pretend and pull off in the moment. Like, I'm just going to, you know, whip up here and then do this and make it look smooth and make it look, like, without intro. It, it, it drops the flow of the fight for me when yeah. they did it. And it looked kind of silly. Particularly because um, Cavanario is not, like, you know, the most graceful. His whole shtick is the, like, yeah. big bumbling barbaric caveman right I, so I getting up a there lot of, a lot of those spots like phoenix does a lot of those spots very often and normally yeah. they look really clean and smooth and stuff like that and i noticed that a lot of them with cavanario doing it with him looked very sort of slow and clunky like you know i feel like you know having cavanario who doesn't you know really do that stuff as the other side of it uh-huh you know it, it weakened those spots a bit you know what i mean like, they'd have been much better with, like, another luchador who, you know, does that sort of stuff. You know, who knows what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, like, I've heard that before. You know, like, when I've heard of, like, what, you know, stories of, like, what people who don't watch wrestling enjoy, people always think it's going to be, you know, the sort of hard-hitting stuff and stuff like that. But I've heard that people who don't really watch wrestling do often just like the sort of flippy stuff just because it looks so cool. Like, watching someone do, like, a triple flip off of the, you know, top turnbuckle or something stupid, like, it just looks so visually cool. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, it's hard not to like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Um... And it's, you know, it's just quite surprising. And then also I thought, like, the Spanish commentary would be sort of a bigger turn-off than it seems to have been. You know, like, watching, like, a whole match with just people talking Spanish in your ear when you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> like, I said, obviously, I missed the commentary more than I thought I would, but I didn't... I wasn't so much turned off by the Spanish as more as it's just, like, I probably 
know there's stuff I was missing and I could have gotten more out of it with commentary in the language I actually spoke. Um, mainly, it just I didn't know their names for like until I only got the names of one of them by the end. Like, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's uh, CMLL. They're the oldest wrestling promotion in the world. They do three shows a week in a sixteen and a half thousand seat arena. Like they're a very unique promotion. You know what I mean? There's no one else quite like them. But I, I, I just feel like we haven't really seen what they're known for, and we will see more what they're known for <laughs> when we get to tag team wrestling. You know what I mean? That's where CML will shine, because that's what they do. Yeah. They do tag matches. <laughs> that's okay. their thing. Yeah. Um. So we'll see like them shine a bit more in the tag matches, hopefully. Is that a what we're watching more. next, or are we doing something else first and then... Uh, we need to watch, there's two more promotions we need to watch for singles, which is a uh, Ring of Honor and NXT. So I'll let you choose which of them we watch next. Okay. Uh, I'm leaning towards NXT just because that's before this, one of the only wrestling things. Yeah. I watched one single thing of it because James wanted to watch it. Yeah, so go, so go I to have Comfort for the next one, go to Unknown for the last, yeah. like, the last one. Yeah. And then after we've watched those two... We did say we were going to watch a feud through. So I was thinking we'd watch uh, Kenny Omega versus Okada. Okay, when is... does the women's wrestling come in? Well, that's what I was going to get that... to. Is, so, that's, uh, so we've got two more matches to watch from two different promotions. Mm-hmm. We've then got the feud to watch, which that feud is okay. four matches long. And then I was going to do either tag matches or women's after that. And you said that you'd prefer women's. Yeah. So we'll go into women's wrestling then. And basically cool. then we'll watch a women's match from various different sort of women's promotions. Or, you know, promotions that have women's wrestling. Um, then we'll watch another feud and then go into tag wrestling. Okay. So we're doing like, a, we went like men's feud, women's feud, tag feud. And then after that, there's no real, like, um, next sort of big, you know, type of wrestling to show. What I'm going to go on to then is just showing you, like, things that are different, you know. So whether that's, like, a gimmick match type, like mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell or the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Or just, you know, really interesting, like, wrestlers with unique styles or just really interesting matches. Like that one I told you about, um, Ricochet versus Will Ospreay, where it's almost like a sort of choreographed dance the whole match. Uh-huh. Where, like, a lot of people loved that match because it was just one of the most insane athletic displays that I've ever seen in my entire life. But a lot of people hated it because they felt it was too choreographed. Like, it was too obviously fake. Yeah. So, like, that's just, you know, so we'll go on, to, after we've done the three different sort of main categories, you know, men's women's tag we'll just go on to mm-hmm. like whatever after that point <laughs> like just whatever strikes our fancy you know to watch sounds good but yeah so next week uh, we'll be watching nxt not next week i always say next week next episode <laughs> next episode we will be watching nxt cool and um i don't know what matches you've seen of nxt but have you seen Johnny Gargano versus 
Lin- uh, what's his name? I've totally forgotten his name. Well, I don't know who that first one is, so okay, probably so not. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know who Johnny Gagano is. I need to um, look up who the other guy is, though, so that, you know, I can actually say who it is. I can't believe I've forgotten who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, really impressed with myself for that one. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gagano. So next episode we will be watching NXT with Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas. So yeah, tune in then. If you want to keep up with the podcast, uh, you can do at www.makingamark.wixsite.com or you can follow it on Twitter at MAM Wrestling. If you would like to keep up with me or Laura more personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Hanzo Kurosawa or Laura at Laura K483. And if you have any like questions about the show or want to ask us any, feel free to get in touch. There's a contact form on the website. And any questions sent to either one of our Twitters or the rest you mm-hmm. know, the MAM Wrestling Twitter will answer as well. And if you've got any like suggestions for matches to watch, feel free to send them in and we'll get round to them eventually. And yeah, just, you know, keep in touch and, and thanks keep for your listening. eyes out for the next episode. And yeah, thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye.